So Kaylee, if you're your super Kaylee, you super duper superheroes, who would be your ideal sidekick? I mean, there are so many choices, aren't there? I feel like I'd want someone who's more rubbish than me, because otherwise everyone will assume that I'm the sidekick and that would be terrible. 100%. Yeah. So I'm thinking a Pokemon. I'm going back to the Pokemon theory because they are very useful and they are they're naturally, what's the word I want? Sub- subjugated. No. <laughs> what's the word? I know what you mean. Yeah. They're just naturally, they, they see themselves as inferior. So that, that would be good for me. Well, like a dog, you can train them. Yeah. Well, like my dog, but other dogs I've heard. You <laughs> yeah, I think that would be good. Or someone who's like normally a villain and they kind of work on your side. So like Ghostface in the screen movies, pretty mm. adept at doing lots of things very fast. And yeah, they're, they're pretty rapid. I mean, they get changed very quickly in those they screen do. movies, don't they? They get on those big old hulking boots and I don't know how they do that that quickly. And then they're back in their sneakers in the next shot. Sneakers. And the costume, but like, did they ever, I haven't ever seen the first one. Did they ever deal with where do they hide the costume when no. they take it off? They don't. I was watching, I rewatched them all the other day and there was this bit where like, Definitely see him, the scream in full costume, just like sneaking around to get in the house. I was like, well, when does he put it on? And then when does he take it off? This makes no sense at all. He just walks down the street in it. You'd be like, well, that's the guy right there. Yeah, yeah. If they're just like pushing some black cloth into their bag, like, <laughs> quick, 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 quick. <laughs> you could arrest him. So that would make him an ideal psychic. Maybe that. How about you? Okay, I didn't think of like actual characters. I mean, if you want a sidekick who's super powerful and will easily help you, I guess God is pretty good. Wow, you went there. You went for this. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess you I guess you can't you can't have God as a sidekick. It's just it, it defeats is. the whole point of him being God. <laughs> Isn't he like Jesus's sidekick? Kind of. Or is Jesus his sidekick? I don't know. I've not read the Bible. I remember watching Prince of Egypt and he seemed to be Moses's sidekick <laughs> from what I saw in the film. I mean, he gives Moses the order. That's true, but we never see him. So he's like sidekick quality of like screen uh, time. Maybe, unless it's like, a, oh yeah, that's true. Because Moses is the main character and the main character is usually not the sidekick. The sidekick, yeah. yeah. Well, I've got, uh, if I were a superhero, I would uh, conduct interviews and I've got a series of questions that I would like to ask potential sidekicks. It would be like the X Factor, but or the Apprentice or something, but you know, a bit more glamorous. Well, do you want to ask them to me? I can answer them. Yeah, okay. So let's pretend that you're um, uh, a candidate Okay. for my sidekick um so first of all how tall are you five foot seven that's okay you're shorter than me and that's important you can't have a sidekick <laughs> who towers above you you've got to tower above the sidekick yeah i'm using batman and robin as a major model here okay well i, I also look good in red if that's a question um that you don't have to answer this one completely but what do you feel you can bring to my life as a superhero hmm, i'm smart I'm capable, um, very loyal. I think that's an important quality. Mm. And I am a good team player, but also can do like, you know, solo work. So if you send me off or if you get kidnapped, which happens, I would be good at getting you out again. Mm. But I don't want the glory. I'm not a glory hunter. Oh, thank you for answering that question, Mr. A. Um, and how are you with snakes? Um, well, I will fight them all for you. I'm better with them than you are, if that's a... 
if that's what you want me to do, lie down in front of the snakes. I'll that's do it. That's basically why I'm asking. If there's like a, you know, we've talked about how I've got this abject fear of snakes and it would be my kryptonite in a previous episode. Yeah. So I thought, well, I need a sidekick who's going to sort out the snakes for me and I'll have an excuse to go back to my pool mobile and hide in there for a bit until the snakes are gone. That's fine. They eat rats. They're actually, I, I don't mind the snakes. I can take them on. Um, and how close are you to your loved ones? <laughs> pretty pretty close but you know is that is that a bad thing uh yes because your loved ones will probably die two sidekicks loved ones though but it would it would motivate it would be a good plot point because it would motivate the sidekick to side with the superhero oh i see well what if i just do it for the love of of humanity (laughs) well that's that's very good i mean we'll think about that when we're evaluating your performance in this interview if it helps, there is a worldwide plague, which means I haven't seen many of my loved ones for ages. That's true. That's tr- yes, yes, we'll bear that in mind. Let me note that down. And uh, do you have experience in costumes, costume making or costume yep. wearing? Absolutely. Love a costume. Halloween is a big deal for me. And if anyone out there attended my Game of Thrones party, which I believe you did, you'll know it was a big deal. <laughs> I was a wolf. You were a very good wolf. And I was the Red Witch and I did it very well. Mm, mm, okay um and experience in uh supporting your work superiors in uh or an almost slave-like dedicated manner i mean yeah 100 percent got that <laughs> <laughs> that's all i do <laughs> most millennials do let's yeah, yeah. we do it for pittance and we do it for love <laughs> please praise me and experiencing cleaning up mess yeah. Because I'll be very busy making gadgets and costumes and having the, the love story. So you'll need to clean up all my mess. Yeah, I have a dog. I clean that mess all the time. Okay. Well, thank you, Miss Dre, for coming in. We will uh, get back to you within two to three working days. Lovely. I'd love it if that's how superheroes got their sidekicks. <laughs> they should do. There we go. Another series idea where they're, they're interviewing for sidekicks and superheroes and it becomes more of a formal bureaucratic process. They're like interns, they don't get paid, they just get the experience of what it'd be like to be a superhero. Hello, and welcome to The Marvel Virgin, a podcast all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Paul, and I'm a Marvel Virgin. And my name is Kaylee, and I'm a Marvel whore. For each episode, Paul is watching a Marvel movie or TV series for the very first time. And with my help, we'll be delving into the good and not so good aspects of the MCU and navigating the secrets and intricacies of this big and complex universe. If you'd like to send in any questions, comments, factoids, or even if you'd like to correct anything we've said, after all, we're not perfect, then you can tweet us at The Marvel Virgin. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the show. Thor, the Dark World. The Dark World was quite well lit, I must say. Mm, Yeah, well, I I was looking at the Dark World and apparently like originally translated in Norse as like the the Black World. And the elves were like not dark elves, but black elves. So I wonder if they just tweaked it. The elves were quite fair skinned, so they weren't that dark, but... They actually, there were some some elves were of varying skin tones. They were quite a diverse group of elves. No, yeah, I don't know if it means it in that sense. Maybe it's more like the whole of your soul. It's not a literal darkness. It's more moral darkness, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Evil. What did you think of it? You know what? I quite liked it. (laughs) Yeah, 
I rewatched it. I was like, oh, it's more fun than I remember it being. And I wonder if that's because we just slogged through all of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> I was, uh, we talked at the end of um, uh, the previous episode about how you have said you don't like it, but how someone wants, I don't know if it was you or someone else, but they described it to me as an extended Doctor Who episode. So I thought, well, I must like it because I love Doctor Who. Um and it turns out I do like it. Um, but I don't know if it was the three quarter of a bottle of Prosecco that I drank before watching it that helped me to like it. Yeah, almost definitely. I mean, I think it's a lot of fun. I wouldn't say it's one of the strongest films in the Marvel universe by far. Mm. But that's, yeah. It's not on a par with Avengers, certainly. But um, I liked, I mean, I followed the story and I quite enjoyed the story. There were some bits that I was pretty involved with. And I liked the use of Loki in a sort of Silence of the Lambs kind of way. Well, it wasn't Silence of the Lambs. I always like it when um when he stops doing the illusion and it shows him just sat there looking very depressed and sad. I like that, yeah, I liked, because I did think uh, throughout a lot of it, I was like, this guy's a prisoner. Why does he look so disheveled or, any, or, yeah. like, or anything? Because he's not, it's not like he's got access to the Asgard hairdressers nowadays, has he? He's, you know, um, but uh, then it turns out it's all an illusion and he was putting it all on, a literal a, illusion. A literal illusion. Well, I wonder if it, it became much worse after his mum died. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, that, that does seem to be the suggestion. His mother, Friga, I think was, it's, again, underused, but used better. Friga world. was fridged though, wasn't she? She was what? Fridged, you know, fridging when a, a female character is literally just there to be killed off for the plot. Oh, yeah. Board. But her fight scene is a lot better than her one in the first four, where in the first Thor, she picks up a, a sword. She's like, eh, eh, and <laughs> she gets swept aside. In this one, she gets to wield it. She, she wields. Ninja moves, and she used illusions and all sorts. She did a little low-key, Trixie. She even disobeys her husband, Odin. I I was into that. But also, I do think she's a bit young for Odin. Rewatching it back, she also looks a bit young to be these two men's mum. Yeah, I'm pretty certain Rene Russo's in her 50s and Anthony Hopkins is in his 70s. <laughs> and how old are Loki and, and, and Thor in real life? Like, like, surely she can't be old enough to have birthed these people. In all fairness, they're all meant to be like thousands of years old, aren't they? They live for thousands and thousands of years. So age yeah. is a more of a fluid thing for them, I guess. That's very true. But why does Odin look... I guess he's the oldest. Oh, who knows? Because that's what Hollywood does. Men can be old. <laughs> women no women no. is that a wrinkle get out <laughs> and i think that um the for me the romance between thor and jane is one of the most enjoyable in the marvel series she's like a real person and her way of dealing with him feels quite re well, not relatable but like if i was in that situation i probably would be the same but i like how he he see he never underestimates her he there are moments where he's looks really like proud of her like when she's being examined by the asgardians and she understands their technology because she's so clever and he looks at her with a like yes bitch you tell him like and it's i thought that was that was really nice and the only thing i would change is i'd make jane dorkier and more socially awkward he used i think here in this one and the first one Mm. he's very endearing like I, I did watch it I haven't watched this one in years because I remember I didn't like it at the time and when I did watch it I was like it is nice and light and fun mm. which is ironic because it's called Dark World <laughs> yeah the only thing I think was missing and I think 
they they had comedic elements, particularly with Kat Dennings as Darcy. I thought she was she was even funnier than in the first Thor. But I thought in the first Thor they had these amusing moments where Thor's trying to adapt to our world. And I thought in this one, they should have had more actual, well, they didn't have any, they should have had amusing moments where Jane's adapting to Asgard, but they she, don't. She just kind of, she goes there. She recognizes all the technology. She puts on a nice dress. She's like, I'm in Asgard. <laughs> it reminded me of, uh, oh, who is she? Amidala. She sort of slipped into Amidala mode. She has the dresses, she glides around. Should we go through some plot? Go on then. Go on then. <laughs> go on then, that's why we're here. It starts off with, uh, one of the two lines that made me made me cringe a bit because <laughs> the dialogue wasn't perfect. It was better, but it wasn't perfect. It starts off with long before the birth of light, there was darkness. And my immediate thought was, well, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> what would there be? <laughs> well, they got to make it sound dramatic, haven't they? <laughs> before there were people, there were no people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Before there was air. It was airless. Yes. Well, oh, thank you, Odin. I'm glad you're the all-father. We've never <laughs> got that about you. We'll go into Odin's faults, which are shown in this, I think. It's... Any fault. <laughs> mm. But it starts off with a bit of prologue, which was quite enjoyable, and it involves Malekith, who is the main dark elf, played ironically played by a Doctor Whoer, Christopher Eccleston. And many years ago, Malekith was using something called the Aether, which is like a red, glowy, powerful thing to destroy the world. So Asgard fought a great big war against them, and it was led by Odin's father. And oh. at the time, nine worlds converged in a sort of planetary alignment thing. And that makes the Aether extremely powerful and yeah. easy to use, I guess. Yeah. Maybe we have Hercules that bit. Very Hercules, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's very sort of romantic, I mean, the convergence and stuff, isn't it? Mm. And um, at this point, Malekith unleashed the ether, but Asgard managed to take the weapon from him just in time. Um, in order to get away, Malekith, it said it sacrificed his own people and suggested that he killed all the Dark Elves, but he didn't kill all of them from what I gather. The ones he didn't like. He no, was like, you need to be sacrificed. <laughs> the plebeian class yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can go <laughs> yeah, yeah. and he flies off and goes into hiding asgard cannot destroy the ether however it's just too powerful so they bury it <laughs> <laughs> always a good idea and we have all of that and that was very that was that was very clear to me i thought i was i was like oh cool i know where we're going yeah, with this i think also very good for you and other people children whatnot who are watching and don't know Having the bad thing be red and glowing, very helpful visual aid, isn't it? Exactly. You're like, oh, that's bad. <laughs> it's evil. We don't touch that. Uh, we then jump forward to the present day where Loki, having been arrested after the end of the Avengers, has been brought before Odin. And Loki is confined to the dungeons, which are quite nice looking dungeons, I must say. Not that horrible. Yeah, it's nice that you get such a big window. Yeah, he does get a very big window. <laughs> it's nice and clean and, yeah. you know. Books, loads of books. You'd love that. It'd be like an ideal Airbnb for you. I have a great time. I'm like, take me to the dungeons, you know. I, I was expecting like a rack or an Iron Maiden and stuff like that, but no. Odin says to Loki that Thor will be king once he has undone all Loki's damage. And is this damage that Loki did in Avengers or in Thor or both? Both. Like, I think it's just all of the damage he's caused. Like across the realms, like with the Bifrost being broken and all of that. He's done lots of bad, bad, naughty things. Naughty yes. Loki. Very naughty. Very naughty. Very <laughs> naughty. Despicable. Go to your room. 
Yes. Maybe. Think about what you've did, which is literally what he's being told to do. <laughs> Um, so then we cut to a big battle scene in another one of the nine realms where Thor is undoing one of Loki's doings and they're fighting and Thor wins. There's a bit where this big rock troll comes up and it's that like that bit in Raiders of the Lost Ark with the guy with the sword when he does all the swishy sword things and then Indiana Jones just shoots him. It was like that. Thor just like whacked him with the hammer. And I did kind of think, well, what did you expect, guys? Like he's got a hammer, a magic hammer. Magical. Don't fight him. And then they're like, oh, we should have started with the big one first. Oh. <laughs> I know. And I was like, oh, yes, yeah, so then banter in Asgard. <laughs> that was a good idea. There is banter in Asgard. And I quite like seeing peasant folk in Asgard. In, well, it wasn't Asgard. It was one of the other nine realms. But still, it was. Good to know. Right. No, no. Sif, your fave, was there? Sif was there. Sif was kicking some ass. Doesn't She gets a few bits and pieces to do. She kind of comes in, does something cool, and then goes away, doesn't she? Which actually is the ideal job. Yeah, that's yeah, I should sign up for that. <laughs> mm. But it was nice having the peasant folk in the woodland and stuff because it was a big, it was a nice little contrast to the big glittery palaces and stuff that is always there. So it felt a bit more relatable this time round as opposed to the first Thor, in yeah. my opinion. Did you think that the um, Asgardian palace looks a bit like the Little Mermaid's palace? It does look like that, yes. I was re-watching, I was like, oh, it's Ariel's palace. And he's like, Triton, King Triton, Titan. Triton. Yeah, Odin is a bit King Triton. He's very controlling, isn't he? Yeah, and Loki's Ariel. Yeah, I guess. always oh, Loki Ursula and then Thor is Ariel later on going to Loki for assistance? Nice. That's all I kept thinking. I was like, oh, Disney. Um, Thor then goes back to Asgard and he's moaning at Odin. He's like, you, you weren't there to help. Why don't you come and help sometime? And this was my second favourite clunky line. Odin says... You must think I'm a piece of bread that needs to be buttered so heavily. And I cracked up. I went, that makes no sense whatsoever. What I mean, earth are you talking about? We can't even blame Kenneth Branner anymore. He's not involved. <laughs> I know. I know. It's someone else's fault. Well, it's just that one line. I went, I'm reading through it. I'm like, that's indecipherable. What What do you mean? Yeah, I, I don't know. It sounds very Lord of the Rings as well. Isn't that actually a line? Like, I feel like butternuts and spread too thin over too much bread. And I think they're like, we like that. We like Lord of the Rings. So maybe if we go for the opposite, he's bread with all the butter. Is it? Is it? Does he mean like, you must think I have to be used all the time or something, but he's likening it to bread and butter. Maybe he was hungry. Maybe, yeah. He's probably having an all, all nap in his brain. An all nap. Yeah, an all snack. <laughs> yeah, he's all hungry. Um, and Odin says, oh, and at one point uh, they're like, oh, you're thinking of Jane, aren't you? Well, maybe you should think about things closer to home. And then nods over to Sif, who's doing like sexy things. They really want him to marry Sif. And they're like, she's such a good girl. You should marry her. We'd love her to be queen of Asgard. <laughs> but Odin very openly doesn't like humans. He's like, puny humans, they only live for 80 years. We live for 5,000. Yeah, they literally do say that quite a few times. But Thor pines with Jane, pines away. Pine a lot, doesn't he? Bless him. And he's he's very lonesome in Asgard. There's scenes where he's he's in a, a, a like a, a a tavern of some kind, and they're all singing and dancing, and he's sitting there going, hmm, "Yes, I'm not not really having fun here." Mm. Um, I loved that um, Thor's casual wear is like his normal clothes, but with a black cape thrown over it. Yes, <laughs> a poncho. It's a poncho. Yeah, <laughs> like that's the Thor's Thor's off shift. We then go to. Our world. And we see Jane again. Yay. Yay. She's I with like Chris O'Dowd. She's with Chris O'Dowd. I'd date Chris O'Dowd. 
I would too. He's so sweet and earnest. I was like, oh, he's trying so hard, but he is literally competing against an actual god. He's and you know what? He's a really perceptive character. He's like, she sits down, she's like, hi. And he goes, I think there's a man involved with you. I think you're thinking of a man. And I'm well, like, he knows well. because he reads the menu for way too long, which apparently is not a sign of indecisiveness, which is what it would be for me. I'd be going, but chicken or fish, I just don't know. With her, it's like you are nursing some deep hurt within you. And I'd like you to tell me more about this. The J- Jane's on this date and uh, and then Darcy shows up. And I did I did love that he says that when she with Darcy walks to the table, Chris O'Dowd says to her, oh, yeah, we'd like some wine, please. And I'm like, Darcy's in a <laughs> scarf and a coat. Like, why, how yeah. did you escape take her for a waitress? I think he was distracted by Jane's beauty and charisma and he was thinking this woman needs to leave and he lets her go and he says I'll just stay here and say sea bass alone and Jane's like okay bye and she goes <laughs> yeah she's she's not great to him no but I mean you know she's got a big hulking god for a boyfriend so well no because she's been moping about him she he's trapped in another world mm. how long do you have to wait to move on if your boyfriend is trapped in another dimension well it's been two years according to this film so quite a long time by yeah. the sounds of it and she was just about ready to move on and then bam well we won't we and they can't even communicate in order like she couldn't even say to him so what do you think about like an open relationship you know, <laughs> just until you're back. <laughs> your stuff, bitch. I'm done waiting for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, Darcy is. Uh, she has an intern herself, uh, which is quite fun. And they're seeking out scientific things, so that's why they got Jane to go with them. And Stellan Skarsgård is running naked around Stonehenge because his mind's been Adam. frazzled and frizzled and stuff by when Loki possessed him. Um, and Jane gets taken by Darcy and the um, the intern to a, an abandoned warehouse where there's lots of kind of weird phenomena going on. There's like a floating cement mixer. There's uh, there's a bit where they throw the shoe and the shoe goes through the portal and then appears again in another place. And I love how Darcy goes, I want to throw something. Jane, give me your shoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really like Darcy. She's a good character. She's very good. She she I, she's very relatable, and I think Kat Dennings does really really well with her. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, and Jane goes. I haven't seen these re- readings like this since. And Darcy goes New Mexico, and I swear I saw Natalie Portman go like that. Really? And I think there's moments where I swear Natalie Portman's having a bit of a laugh and being like Jane's ovaries are about to burst thinking about this guy. <laughs> Why would her ovaries burst? I don't know. It's just the image of her. <laughs> she's she hasn't she hasn't really had sex in two years, and her what the one person she wants to do it with is Chris Hemsworth as Thor. I mean, that's very fair. I thought you meant from like she wants his babies ovaries. Well, that too. There's also a scene later on where when she's in Asgard and they're talking and kind of they're smooching, but they're also they're touching hands like that. And right. I I swear when their hands touch, Natalie Portman again goes very good at being a little I don't even know what the word would be when you when you're in that first the first flash of a relationship you feel very dreamy about someone she's good at that bit very good and you know what it feels very real I I really warm to Jane and Natalie Portman is such a good actress uh, in in this like not in everything but in this she's very very good she's very sweet and I, yeah I love her and through her investigations, Jane gets swept she's literally swept into some kind of weird world with a big red glowy rock 
um, and there's sort of flying red, red glowy things inside the rock that grab her arm and then she faints and then wakes up again back in the real world. Meanwhile, Malekith has awakened because the convergence is happening again and therefore the ether is becoming accessible and it's the ether that has gone into Jane. She has found the ether and she's becoming one with the ether. Yeah, and Idris is like, oh no, she's gone somewhere I can't see. That was good though. He was like, I can't hear her. And I went, oh. And I like that he, like, forwards me, like, oh, I go to her now. <laughs> Drop everything. Screenies <laughs> was, my woman needs me. Um, and yeah, weird things are happening to her. Like, it's not raining around her. Um, and she thought she was only gone for a few minutes, but it turns out she's been out cold for like five hours. Um, and then Thor shows up. And I thought they would have made a bit more of their reunion. Like, he sort of just comes around the corner like, Hey, and she goes, ah, <laughs> it's over to him. I thought there'd be like a, the sound of his footsteps or the sound of his hammer dragging along the floor. She'd be like, oh, could it be? Is it he? Uh, but I guess that would work if we'd only seen the film from her perspective up until that point, because we'd be like, oh, with her, but we know he's already been, he's, he's already been there. So maybe, but they've both been pining, pining. But I quite like the shot of him just staring at her through the rain and she's like, oh, and then she slaps him to make sure he's real. And then she slaps him again because she's like, where the hell have you been? I love the interaction between them there. Yeah, very real, very fun, yeah. definitely. I've been, you know, busy with wars and and total destructions of the universe and mm. that stuff, you know. Uh, but a, a policeman tries to arrest her and then uh, the the ether is protecting her. So there's kind of this big red explosion that pushes the policeman away. So Thor uh, whisks Jane off to Asgard uh, to check up on her. Um, and I love the police officers are like, oh no, she's dangerous. Let's, let's arrest her again. But after that happens, you're like, that's not a normal thing. Don't arrest her. Maybe take a few steps back. Think about this. Maybe don't touch her. Yeah. You're not supposed to touch her. She seems like she might explode. Don't do it. She's she's very delicate right now. <laughs> um, the Asgardians tell Thor that the energy in Jane will kill her. I mean, yeah, duh. Uh, and then Odin doesn't like that Jane is here, and yeah. he doesn't listen. Uh, again, he doesn't listen to Thor. And Thor's all like, but we need to do something. Odin's like, no, take her away. Her body is just disintegrating like human bodies do. Yeah, take her away disgusting age women Blah. i mean he's kind of swapped places of his son this summer because last time he's all like oh i advise pragmatism and and thinking and not rushing into things and this time he's like screw it i touch throw her out do this do that he's just gone completely the opposite it's like he's going all senile yeah i wonder if I mean, they could have dealt with him like actually becoming a bit incapable in his old age because he just never listens to thor and thought i'm like thor has literally called everything right since the end of the first Thor film and he did pretty well in the Avengers movie and got Loki in prison so maybe you need to consider what he's saying a bit more maybe it's a toxic masculinity thing I think it is the or it's just the all father has all, Alzheimer's I don't know mm. and then Jane does the other does another like woof, and the power like goes out and that's when Odin's like oh actually yeah maybe maybe we need you need to do something about this maybe this isn't a human thing I was wrong it's it's not a human thing <laughs> I thought she was just dying of old age turns out actually there's some shit going down oops yeah, yeah. sorry I should have listened to you there Thor um and uh there's there's then this scene between Loki and Frigga uh Frigga Frigga or Frigga I was saying Frigga but Frigga maybe it's Frigga Frigga I'm, I'm not sure I'll say Frigga Frigga sounds no. nicer right 
it it sounds a bit nicer yeah um so loki and frigga and this was good i thought because it deals with the fact that her adoptive son has turned evil and done bad things and they've never i think we mentioned it in the in our first thor episode they've never really like explored how she would feel about this or her relationship with loki she's been so in the background well they've got a much closer relationship haven't they they do seem to so that's quite nice to explore that and how she's trying to like even odin was like the only reason you're not dead is because your your mother said no i was like well that's terrible parenting from you firstly (laughs) secondly it it is clear that his mum loves him and that he loves her can you imagine being told the only reason that we didn't kill you is because mother said no <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, oh, okay. Well, I don't feel any better towards you. You're never going to rehabilitate me now, Dad. Exactly. Uh, meanwhile, the dark elves are doing dark elvy things, and they've they've infected an elf with like a mini bit of ether. Is it a mini or some kind of power? Um, and they've basically sent them in disguise into the prisons in Asgard. And by disguise, I mean like a big helmet. <laughs> I know, I love the way they show it and it zooms in on it and it just shows them like, do, 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 walking in. You're like, really? That was the whole plan? And no one takes it. There should be a system where Idris goes, helmets off, let's make sure you're all our group. I think, I think that will maybe search the prisoners and put them in clothing that isn't theirs, like we do in our prisons. Yeah, it just—it seems silly to it'll go into the cell in full armor. Why would they ever need that? He might as well have put on a mustache and a monocle and be like, "How do you do? I'm here for the prison." <laughs> or a full mask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm no god of thunder. Rah, 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 rah. Check my hammer. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> anyway, when he's in the prison, he uh, unleashes uh hell in gladiator style and uh releases the prisoners the various prisoners so that all hell can break loose and basically the 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 dark elves do a massive massive attack on them and lots of things happen here so frigga nicks a dagger from the guard and takes jane under her wing is like come with me i'll help you and i'm like yeah i'm going with you babe like if i was jane i'd totally follow her lead well she does she's like yes ma'am you tell me what you want i'll do it yeah and odin tries to (laughs) Odin's he's such an idiot. He goes, it's a skirmish, nothing to fear. And Frigga's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I believe <laughs> that when you, I see it. Why are you going to fight then? You literally didn't go and do the actual war the other day. But here you are running down to deal with a skirmish in the dungeons. Exactly. <laughs> and also, like, I quite like that Loki's like, just sat there reading his book. I liked this. I, I, was, I, I was just watching him like, what's he going to do? Like what's what's going to be his move here? That was that was really cool. Um, and Idris Elba tries to um, create a big force field around Asgard to stop the big bad elves. Uh, but the big the the big sort of the hulking one that in that went into the prison, he stops him, um, and then that does not happen. And there, and devastation is caused in Asgard. Would, did everyone think that the dark elves were all dead? I thought they were. I thought they yeah. thought that. They did because they went through that little storybook. I feel like every film, like Harry Potter, all these films have like storybooks mm. which they rely on as historical tomes. It's like maybe write them down better. But they're like, yes, there are no more elves. And Thor even says, like, well, there might be because you said the ether was gone. He's like, there are no more elves. Period. <laughs> someone, someone didn't do their research. Someone is Professor Umbridging all this, aren't they? They failed. <laughs> <laughs> but they, because the, the, it's an air of menace about the dark elves. I think they're pretty cool. I did laugh a bit when they were talking in their elf language, and they're like blah 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 blah. Well, they did what you say. The other villain trope, which is like, I shall be able to have it. 
And you're like, oh no, they're, they're speaking the evil whisper voice. Which begs the question, how could they possibly disguise themselves to infiltrate anywhere? Because they'll literally turn and be like, I'm a good guy. And they go, you're not a good guy. And they just shoot them. Well, thankfully, they don't actually make anyone say anything when they come in. They don't even ask you your bloody name and address. You just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. They don't search you. They don't take off your clothes. Nothing. <laughs> it'll be a bit distressing for them because it'll be like, they'll have to set up a passport system, much yeah. more security measures. It'll be like after everything happened with us, look, airports mm. much harder then, weren't they? Absolutely. Well, maybe they need, maybe they need some security here. Some yeah. documentation, some cavity searches in customs, at least. It sounds like you've got ether in your chest. I mean, it's probably not, but step to one side, we'll have a check. I'd be like, oh, Thor, you're a suspicious person. Bend over right now. <laughs> lower, lower. <laughs> but yeah, they, they, the Dark Elves had an air of menace, but they, I, I would have thought they'd be more made of, I'd be more Asgard's being like, oh, the Dark Elves back from the dead, but they don't seem that surprised by it. So... Well, I mean, a lot of weird stuff goes on, doesn't it? That's true. Like, why would they be surprised by anything? <laughs> They're just like, oh, it's Tuesday. Oh, yeah. I lo- the Frigga fights Malekith, and that is amazing. Like, she has some moves in that. But um, uh, the Dark Elves then try to attack Jane, but it turns out that Jane is an, like a magical illusion made by Frigga, and Jane is hiding elsewhere. But then the the elf kills Frigga. She gets stabbed and she dies. She and fridged. Then- and he calls her a witch. It's very sad. So yeah, all that is it. But they managed to fight off the elves and the elves sort of scuttle away, but they've caused a lot of damage. And then Thor and Odin meet. Odin has hidden Jane away because that's what the Dark Elves want. They want Jane because she has the ether in her. Um, and Odin and Thor are disagreeing on what to do about Malekith as usual. And Thor's like, I've got an idea. And Odin's like, your idea is shit. Let's go with what I'm doing. And I'm like, when has that ever worked, Odin? When? He's in the anger stage of grief. He's and not- a bit senile. <laughs> but Thor teams up with Idris Elba, Sif, the Warriors Three, and with Loki. You know, yeah. because Loki can um, get them to some kind of secret place where the elves are. Well, he knows a way out of. I was going to say Odinland, Asgard. He knows the only way out of Asgard. All <laughs> Odinland. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and I quite like the the. I felt like the um, the dialogue between the two brothers was pretty good. It's probably the strongest, one of the strongest bits of dialogue in the whole thing felt very real it was fun it made it emphasized that loki's quite likable um in his way uh despite being a villain um i like when he's turning into different characters and he turns into captain america as well so chris evans gets a little cameo yeah and he did a very very fun version of captain america as well he did i'm a patriot guys and it even had the little captain america march going on in the background um uh so yeah they're all they do like i like this section where they had um the 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 good guys explaining the plan and then cutting to the plan being done that kept the pace going really really well i like it was very oceans 11 as i say it's a heist movie move but i like it and also like like everyone's like if you betray him i will kill you Yes. They all say it, and he's like, "Okay, there's there's a line." Meanwhile, Darcy and the intern are getting Stellan Skarsgård out of the mental institution in which he lives with Stan they, Lee. They do it very, very good spot. I've crossed that off the list, but they do it very easily. They're like, "Yes, we are his son. Don't ask for any identification. I am a man of the correct age. It's probably true." Yes. <laughs> well, they had to keep the pace up. I mean, this is a two-hour film. If it was going to go over two hours, it would have been a bit long, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> but Jane is getting more and more possessed by the ether. Her eyes are glowing and going dark, so you know things that shit's going down now. So, Thor, Loki, and Jane arrive at the Dark Elves. 
and uh, then they fight. I like it when Loki protects Jane as well. And when the hammer comes flying in, he, his big mission is he protects her. And I thought, it's a nice move for Loki. I think so. They use Loki very well. It was I like that they kind of concluded him a bit. Yeah, it was a good redemption story after he was a massive dick in the Avengers film. Exactly. But they characters like him have to eventually die, like sacrifice themselves, because there isn't really a place for them in the narrative after that, because it's going to be characters who are like, yeah, I know you're good now, but all that shit you did before, like you basically destroyed New York, like we're still going to hold that against you. Uh, but the whole sort of plan fails, really, because the ether goes out of Jane and into Malekith. And that is a bad thing to happen. Well, yeah, and that is actually what Odin said would happen. He was like, you won't be able to destroy it. And Thor was like, I will be. And then he does it. And he's like, oh, the one time all father was all right. <laughs> uh, Loki's dead and Malekith is off to take over Greenwich. I know, my poor beloved Greenwich. He's going to He's like, well, I've got the ether now. First stop, Greenwich. Well, that's where the meantime line is. What's <laughs> <Something laughs> to do with that? Is it important? I don't know. <laughs> I liked how London was de depicted here. Because often in, in Hollywood films, London's like, you got St. Paul's and Big Ben and, and the Tower of London all within like one street. Yes. And everyone's like, everyone's either... Um, oh, Piccadilly Circus, Dangers and Mesh, Mirror, or they're like, come steady yourself, oh mate, like that. In this, everyone's kind of normal and um, it's really drizzly and grey. And I'm like, that's the London I know. It's grey. It's raining all the time. Yeah. And you know what? This is the first Marvel film not to be set in the US. It's nice to see the UK get a little moment. I mean, we never get a Marvel film. We don't. They just assume that the, the bad guys don't want to attack the UK, but they might want to. We might be a threat to them. Well, not anymore. Of our tiny little island cut off from everyone in the world. But you never know. And Thor and Malekith fight and uh, they keep sort of flipping between worlds in these various portals. And the ha I like that the hammer's chasing after him. You know, and <laughs> to like, to go, and it, I really wanted them to put in a sound effect of like uh, a car screeching to a stop and then zooming back the other way when it goes... I'm a bit like the magic carpet in Aladdin. Yeah, or like uh, when they're when they're running away from ghosts in Scooby Doo. And I love the bit where um, uh, they're trying to get. Uh, I think it's Jane's trying to get the people out of the building. They're like, "What are you doing? Like the world's ending. Get out!" And they go, "Why? Thor's there. He's great." When they're all taking pictures of him. <laughs> yeah, that is what would happen as well. It's exactly what would happen. It's what I would do. Oh, one big inaccuracy is when Thor gets onto the train. And, the, and it's obviously an underground train at Charing Cross. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the when the woman says, oh, three stops to Greenwich, I was like, that's an overground on the overground, not the underground. Am I right or am I wrong? No, you're right. There's no easy way to get to Greenwich. And I say we're on the Jubilee line, but even then I don't think it's three stops. No, it? it's definitely not three stops. But on the, the main Charing Cross station, that yeah. does go to Greenwich. In yeah, it does. You, do, you go London Bridge. Mm. But he's yeah. obviously going on an underground train. I'm like, Charing Cross to Greenwich on an underground train is absolutely not three stops. It's lots of stops and two changeovers. Yeah, as fact. you will know when you used to come visit me there. It's a nightmare. Exactly. I wish it was three stops from Charing Cross. My life would have been so much easier. Greenwich is a lovely place. It's a fucking nightmare to get to from the next door areas. <laughs> <laughs> it's so beautiful, but so terribly placed. It's how they keep it so expensive. No one, go, no one can get there. It's true. <laughs> he should have hopped on the DLR. Um, oh no, Thor wins the battle by transporting Malekith's arms to another place um, so that he can't really fight. And then he sends his full body 
and then the ship, his big ship then starts to fall and that falls through the portal and falls on top of Malekith. And I was like, that's very clever. I thought that was a very satisfying way to die. And then it ends with Thor is uh, back in his world and Jane, Selen Skarsgård, Darcy Neantern are in a flat talking about this. This flat did not look very London. I was like, that flat is massive and would cost a bomb in Greenwich. Yeah, yeah it's especially in Greenwich. Like, I could barely afford my tiny hole. And then Odin finally acknowledges that Thor made good decisions. Well done, I suppose. <laughs> but it's not Odin. It's Loki in disguise. Yeah, I see. I was worried you hadn't realised that because earlier you were talking about how these characters need to die after that. And I was like, does he not realise that that was Loki? And I was wondering if I was going to be spoiling it for you, but I'm glad I you actually, I actually forgot this until I got to that in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh no, he's missed a massive plot point. I tell you where I forgot. I it didn't really make sense. I was like, but he died. So where the hell is Odin? Like, has he has he stolen Odin? I can't tell you. It'd be a spoiler, but he uh, didn't die. He's a little trick. He's a trickster. He is a trickster. All that tricksy trickster. He's so tricksy. Mm. <laughs> Using his powers for evil again. I don't know why we wouldn't assume that would happen. It's nice that the Thor gets some kind of good feedback from Odin, but then it turns out it's not Odin. There's a kind of yeah. sick irony in that, I guess. I guess that's why Odin is so rubbish throughout the rest of the film, is that it it then leads you down a real red herring kind of path in that scene, doesn't it? Yeah, and I also quite like that he's sort of like, you, you maybe maybe go and hang out on Earth for a while. I'll keep it up here. You don't have to be king for a while. <laughs> I've got this. I'm all good. <laughs> you go. I've got many years left in me. I am the all-father. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then the, the film ends there, and but there's a mid credit scene where yes. Sif and one of the Warriors Three bring the red thingy, the, the, the ether, yeah. um, to the, the guy with the white hair. The collector. And Oh, he's the collector, okay. And they're saying it can't be near the Tesseract. Yeah, bad stuff happens if they get together. Right, and they, they mention Infinity Stones. And yeah. I noticed that the next Avengers film is called Infinity War. Mm. You, you've noticed well well done you <laughs> wait no not the next one the, the one after the next the next one's yeah. age of ultron then it's infinity war isn't it yeah so, it's a very big deal so good spot good so i yeah big neon sign there going plot point plot point plot points <laughs> yeah they're like pay attention to this but yeah thor the dark world i quite liked it i think it's it was on par with the first Thor film. I, again, I was semi-inebriated throughout most of watching it, so maybe that helped. <laughs> it's a little fun. I think it skips through a little bit too much from like skip, skip, skip. And I like parts of it much better than the. I like it bits rather than the, the whole thing. Do you know mm. what I mean? Yeah. Like I love um, their reunion. I love. Kat Dennings I think she's been at more like there's loads of little bits and I'm like oh this would be good if like that whole that energy was channeled throughout the whole film but yeah and I just I think there's something really endearing about having uh, a romance between a sort of slightly nerdy regular human being and this in this guy who's obviously walked out of children's fairy tales and that for them to have be separate for long times and it, for it to be very difficult for them to uh, to um to canoodle and to, to, to do what they want to do in their relationship. I think it's it's one of the, it's a really subtle relationship. Like the, pe the Pepper Potts and Tony Stark one is also very endearing, but it's quite in your face. They, they, you know, they shout at each other and they get angry and they get frustrated and stuff. Whereas the Thor and Jane one is a slow burner, which I think is quite sweet. Yeah, and you feel like they are, even though they're obviously not because he's a god, but you feel like they're equals. They're coming at it. They're both bringing something really good to the table. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. No, I, I did like it a lot better this time around. I wonder if it's because I watched it. <laughs> Were you semi inebriated as well? Yeah, because I just burned through all of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which wasn't as enjoyable an experience because it's a bit of a slog, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. I was like, that was neat and tidy. And I, I, I do really like Jane. I think she's a great. I'm finding myself very uh, excited about um, the Thor narrative because having him in another world and struggling to go back and forth between worlds is a is a is a good um, dynamic to have. And I, you know, I love a bit of like crazy cheesy fantasy. It's fun and it's campy and it's it's great. Like I, I'm yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the next Thor film. Well, the next one's quite different. It's Ragnarok, isn't it? So that's quite mm-hmm. a different vibe, but it is very fun. It's very fun. Good. I like fun. We love it. Um, do you want me to quiz you? Let's quiz me. Let's do it. Okay. Quiz me hard. Okay. What do you think it made worldwide? Ooh. Um, 900 million. Oh, you went too high. 644.8 million. Oh. oh, okay. I'm going higher because um, uh, most like the, so, like the last couple of films were making like in the billions. So that's true. I guess that was the Avengers film when they all come together. Yeah, but so did Iron Man 3 made over a billion. People but love Iron Man. Man, though. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And what do you reckon it rotten tomatoed up? 80%. No, much lower. Ooh, okay, 68. 66. Oh, wow. That's one of the lowest. Yeah, it is. Um, so, but people liked it. Like, the people liked it. The critics didn't like it. Right. And I think that watching it back, because I was probably, I was probably writing from a critic's point of view at the time. So that's probably why I didn't like it, because I was looking at it from a very like, ooh, it's such a masterpiece. Awesome. But the people gave it A minus, which is pretty good. That's pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. It's always interesting when the critics and the people don't tally up, especially if the people like it more than the critics did. And I think it, it really shows that, you know, critic reviews on often very much in touch with what people like, but sometimes not. It's this is very, very interesting when that happens. Yeah, and I think also when you are a critic going in, you are always given so much shit before and they read this 80-page booklet on why we made all of these decisions. They treat it as a very highbrow thing, and you go in and it'll be very silly. So you come out feeling a bit like, Ugh. and you probably have seen something else that week that was a very different species of film and genre. So it skewers that's it how how much you enjoy a film is very dependent on your mood at the time and what you've been up up, up to like if you're a critic who likes films in general you're going to have um you know you might one day really want a romantic comedy then the next day want like a big action movie and the next day you want you know a a talky foreign film or something or then an art house film you know and but then as a critic you're going to have to force yourself just watch whatever you need to you have to watch for your job and yeah, so I don't think, like, even knowing myself, like, I don't think it's very fair. And sometimes like, I will like something and I'll, I'll be like to the people, like, five stars and they'll hate it. And I'm like, oh, geez, I mean, I've got terrible taste in movies sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, who stood in for Natalie Portman in the final kissing scene? Who stood in? Ooh. Yeah. Kira Knightley. Oh, we amazing. No. Well, She's already done it. She's got the experience. He's like, I am very good at being Natalie Portman. No, it's like, <laughs> it's it's on the CV. <laughs> it's just number one, Natalie yeah. Portman-esque. Um, it was Chris Hemsworth's wife. Oh, okay. Elsa, Elsa Pataki? Pataki? Mm. Yeah, she's sitting. Cute. Well, he gets to snog his wife on camera then, doesn't he? Yeah, we like that. Um, do you know why Kenneth Branagh didn't want to direct this? 
because he felt it was beneath him. Well, basically, yeah. I mean, he felt that the locked release date didn't give him enough pre-production time. Ugh. Deal he with needs, that. He needs to deal with the theory behind the film before he can make the film. It's a so superhero he- film. You know what the tone needs to be. You know, it needs to be fun and spectacular and involving. Yeah, no, he instead he went off and did Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit. <laughs> so he was originally going to be directing in his stead. Right. No, no, who? Who, who? Oh, who? Oh, that was a question, was it? I thought that was just a statement of fact. Um, who was... Uh, Steven Spielberg. That would be epic. No, Patty Jenkins. Who, do, who, what has Patty Jenkins done? Wonder Woman. Ah. Um, so she was meant to be doing it, but then she had to pull out due to creative differences. Ooh, I love it when they say creative differences. I'm like, what shit went down there? No, apparently there was like some shit but i don't know what it was mm. many different fan theories natalie portman was very upset that it all fallen apart she wanted to work with a female director as well yeah it's a bit of a novelty still isn't it being able to do oh. that what was different about chris's chris's me and chris what was different about his costume and you know makeup this time around uh ooh, i didn't notice his hair is real rather than a wig ah okay because he felt it would look more natural and luscious. And he was right. He does look very nice in this film. He does look very good. And he doesn't get his arms out too much. Just has like one topless scene and one arm scene. And I was, I thought that's good because as, as great as he is to look at, it can be a bit distracting if it's like all the time. There is that wonderful bit where Kat Denning says to him, still muscular, I see. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. She was like, how's space? And he's like, oh, space is good. And I was like, that's exactly what I would do at a party. I would just have nothing to say to him. And I was just weird. I also quite enjoyed that Natalie Portman also gets a poncho when she's in Asgard. Yeah, well, it's their casual wear, isn't it? You just put it it over your armour and suddenly you're relaxed. (laughs) Um, What did he improvise doing in the film? Uh, what Hemsworth? Yeah. Was it any kind of fight scene moves with the hammer? Uh, it involves the hammer, but it's not a fight scene move. Oh, tell me, tell he me. It up on a little coat hook when he goes around their house. That's cute. I like that. Yeah, I remember watching it and being like, "Oh, that's a really sweet moment." And I was like, "Oh, he did it between takes." Um, who was originally not going to be in the movie? Originally not going to be in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Stellan Skarsgård. No. Oh, oh. Frigga. Nope. I'll Odin. tell you. Loki. Loki. Oh, really? Uh, well, I guess, yeah, they, I guess they didn't need him as such, but it enhanced it, having him yeah. there. So originally they were like, oh, he's a bad guy. He's done. But then everyone watching loved him. Like, he's got a lot of fans. A lot of fans. He's a very dynamic and interesting character. He is. He's like, I mean, anti-hero is always very interesting. Yeah, definitely. And without him, it would have just been... The Dark Elves attack, Asgard wins, and that's it. Whereas yeah. with him, it adds an extra plot point that can feed into it quite well. What did they have to do in the kissing scenes to make them work? Tongue. Oh, yes. They <laughs> they wrote it always tongue. No, because Natalie Portman's a very small lady. Chris Hemsworth is a very tall man. So she had, they had to put her on a box or something? Well, it started with boxes and then it was a ramp. <laughs> <laughs> what, she could do a run-up? <laughs> a little run-up kiss. Yep, that's what they did. Um, what scene did they have to keep shooting because Natalie Portman couldn't do it properly? I said that scathingly, but I don't actually mean it. You made it sound like she's terrible at what she does. Yeah, um, like, just pick back the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
is it something physical? Yes. Like, is it when the ether first goes into her and she has to faint and fall over? No, she's good at fainting. It was uh. the slapping. Slapping him around the face. Oh, really? So um, you got to slap him a few times. Yeah, so she had, she had to shoot it quite a few, about 30 times because she couldn't slap her, bring herself to slap him. But um, when she punches Loki, she just did it for real because she apparently doesn't feel the same about Tom Hiddleston. Oh, poor Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> and he's really waiting for this like little soft punch and was like, Phew. why? What happened? Which of the actors was injured while filming? Christopher Eccleston? No. Oh. We'll get on to him later. Idris Elba? No, because he's got his eyes closed the whole time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one who plays Sif. Yes, it was Sif. Um, oh. She slipped down some steps, a metal staircase, and she um, she slipped a disc and chipped some of her vertebrae in her spine. Oh, that sounds yeah. painful. Yeah, she was out of filming for a month. Well, you know what? Asgard shouldn't be bloody decorating their palace with just metal. She's immensely charismatic, she I is, think. She? I think she needs her own little spin-off series or film. Mm. I think so. That's why I, I enjoyed the Lorelei episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because it's partly because she was in it and I think she's very good. Oh, I was going to bring that up. I assume Lorelei escaped during that prison break. Yeah, that's. I remember in that episode, they said that she'd escaped when the Dark Elves um, broke into the prison. Yeah. And I thought, oh, so when they had the Dark, uh, when they had Loki in the prison, I immediately was like, ah, right, this is where the prison comes in and Lorelei is there. Obviously, you don't see her in the film. So it was a spoiler you really but not really i guess it just meant that you knew but you must have not, known not really i didn't know i mean i didn't know anything they don't mention loki in the episode i don't think it really spoiled it i still enjoyed the film that's good what do you think christopher eccleston thought of his role why did he take it on um did he like the idea of just playing something very different no mm, i don't know um he took it for the money he said he hated this role <laughs> Yeah, he described it as torture. Really? What, because of the makeup? Or... Yeah, it took seven to eight hours to do all the makeup. And he said that Marvel, well, whoever does their dealings, didn't tell him that beforehand. Really? Yeah. So he wasn't wasn't into it. Mm. Um, who else didn't like working on this movie? Ooh, um, Stellan Skarsgård. No, he seems fine with it, to be honest. He's not in it very much. No. It was Idris Elba. Really? Why? Um, he said the constant reshoots were exhausting and time-consuming, and he also referred to it as torture. <laughs> Interesting. It's not. That's not the first time. Didn't wasn't it? Hugo Weaving didn't really enjoy being yeah. part of it, and then um, John Favreau didn't want to be director and stuff. It sounds like there's a lot of pressure on everyone. I imagine when you're when you're building up to something because you're obviously working towards these key touchstone points or key touch points, key points. I don't know what you mm. call. The Marvel movie, so you, you've got very strict timelines, and if you're rewriting stuff like they rewrote the entire script, I guess to include Loki, you've got a lot of out external influence coming in. It probably would be quite a stressful, stressful situation. And if you've got like companies like Marvel and Disney breathing down your neck, they're probably yeah. going to want to have some control over what you do. If you're a director of a Marvel film, you probably don't have that much say in how it's done, do you? Because you've got to do it to conform to this series and to what the company wants. So, because the company wants to know that they can make billions and billions of monies. Why does this movie stand out among all the other Marvel movies? It's not in America. That's true. You I don't know any other reasons. Um, it's it's the shortest one. Is it? Yeah. Ah. The date. 
I guess there's still time for one to come along that's shorter. There there's, is, but they're know, getting longer. <laughs> I know, everything does. It's like they seem to think that's the way to get an Oscar. Mm. How do you reckon they did the Captain America scene? I assume, I thought they just had Chris Evans doing a cameo while he was around. Well, they did, but they had Tom Hiddleston wear the costume and do an impression first. And then they um, had Chris Evans watch that and then do an impression of that impression. Okay, well, that's clever. Good way of doing it. Very mischievous. We like that. Mischievous. Loki mischievousness. <laughs> Who was brought in to do uncredited rewrites? I don't know. Charles Dickens. No. Um, I'm not <laughs> sure. No, no idea. <laughs> it's someone who's big in the Marvel Universe. Joss Whedon? It was Joss Whedon, yeah. Nice. He, he basically did the funny bits that you seem to have liked, like um, the brief bit with Cronin and Loki as Captain America, the hallway conversation. So he, he came in and put some ideas into it. And yeah. some fun stuff, basically. So when whenever they feel like it's not going so well, they just have this phone that goes direct to Joss Whedon's house and be like, Joss, help us out. <laughs> it's like the bat signal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How can you tell it's not Odin at the end of the movie, other than the obvious? Ooh, I, d- I couldn't tell. Um, is it to do with his eye patch? No, with his posture. Oh, really? Yeah, so when Odin sits on his throne, he's very, Mm. like, regal and straight. But when Loki Odin sits on the throne, he's sort of leaning to the side like he does in the um, when he rules Asgard in the first film. Oh, he is slouched a little bit, yeah. Okay, what film is this... Is Does every movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 2 pay homage to? And how? The Godfather. No, but why would you have thought that? (laughs) <laughs> I picked a classic film <laughs> but This is one that I know you like Star Wars It's Star Wars No, really? Yeah, it is, do you want to know how they do it? How? Tell me In every film someone loses an arm <laughs> Oh, how interesting So is that every phase two film? Yeah This is the first non-Iron Man Marvel Cinematic University movies to do something What is it? First non-Iron Man MCU film to do something. Yeah. No idea. Could be anything. Um, the lead villain is killed off by the end of the movie. Are they not killed in the other ones? No. Oh, Thor, it's not. Avengers, it's not. I thought Captain America, he is. I know, I thought that too, but I'm just going with what the Marvel fandom has said. No, he doesn't die because he... He, he gets shot die. by all the blue light. But he doesn't die because I remember we talking about why he says he's not going to reprise the role. Oh, so they wanted to bring um, Red Glowy Guy back. Yeah, Red Skull. Oh, oh, fine. Yeah, yeah. What do you reckon? That was all of them. <laughs> it was all of them. Oh, excellent. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a good film. I enjoyed. I look forward to the next Thor, definitely. But I don't think it's for a while. I think there's quite a lot of films and TV series to get through before we get to Ragnarok. There is. The next film is... Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Which I think you're going to like. Okay. Okay. Well, I warmed to the Cap a bit more in Avengers because I didn't like him in his first film. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, that's true, actually. You don't like him. So he's still earnest, but it's a better story. Well, as long as that's fine. I don't mind him being earnest as long as it's not, you know, completely, he doesn't completely take over the film. But I feel it kind of took over the film a bit in his first one. Whereas in Avengers, it's his earnestness is part of the plot and it's important to the to the group. So that's true. Yeah. I mean you did want to push him off a cliff last week. Yes, I did. 
I regret thinking that. Those were those were dark thoughts. <laughs> For being honest. <laughs> it was in a dark place. Yeah, well, to be fair, it's a lot going on in the world. Well, next time we will dissect, dissect and and ravage Captain America the Winter Soldier. Looking forward to it. Woo! You've been listening to an episode of The Marvel Virgin. If you'd like to join in the conversation, you can tweet us at The Marvel Virgin. We hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll tune in to the next fact-filled episode.